Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. As I uh, talk with some of the young people, it seems that the Big Bang theory is still uh, dominant in the thinking of uh, many uh, Christians. And there's a, a conflict there with um, the, the biblical age of the earth. And it certainly raises doubts. And I'm, I'm sure that many people think, well, how do, how do we deal with this? And I came across a, an article uh, quite recently. Um, it was uh, titled, Can Christians Add the Big Bang to the Bible? And it was by a, an industrial chemist, actually, uh, by the name of Russell Grigg, I think uh, you can find quite a probably find the details of the article on creation.com, www.creation.com. But I thought it was um, a very good summary of the uh, issues, and um, so he, he raised some really really important uh, points. And um, of course, you know, one of the things he points out is that you know, there are a lot of different understandings in the, amongst lay people of what the Big Bang theory actually is. Well, essentially, the, the current model um, claims that all matter and energy in the universe plus space and time so in other words, there was no space. There was no, and it's hard for us to imagine that, that there's actually no space, no three-dimensional space. We're once contained in a dimensionless point of essentially infinite density and temperature. So, and, and we, this is what happens is when they, scientists are looking at some of the data they have out there and they... Uh, sort of think of what are possible scenarios and one of the scenarios is of course that something expanded so what they can do is they can run their equations backwards and so they make up a mathematical model and they put the a, the data that we have now into this model and some of the laws and they then run the model back in time and they have this assumption assuming that um, you know that space, time, and matter, and everything expanded. And when they, when they go back, they get to a situation where their equations become infinite, and they call this a, a singularity. In other words, when they when they solve the equation, the values of the equations that can't be solved any further because everything goes to infinity. And so, essentially, what they say is, well, at in the beginning, essentially, there was a, a an infinite, uh, a dimensionless point of infinite density and temperature. So, I mean, yeah, so that's, yeah, te- infinite temperature. So these things are sort of meaningless to us, really, but they're, they're mathematical constructs. And I think it's interesting, of course, and maybe why some people... Uh, identify with this is that you know the Bible says you know God created the heavens and the earth and in the beginning the earth was um, uh, you know a void and a formless sort of thing and to me uh, you know from a mass perspective that's a, a definition of almost a definition of a, a location but anyway so as they run back their equations they get that this uh, singularity was possibly about 13.8 billion years ago. And so they say that this singularity suddenly began to expand, and they say because of a quantum fluctuation. Well, I'm not sure what that 
means. I don't think anybody knows what that means, but I guess what it means is that there was a change that enabled that expansion to take place. So you can see there's massive amount of assumptions here. Um, and of course, you know we can't know. And they're, they're, it's really the the science of physicists are playing around with their with their maths. But essentially, this Big Bang theory claims that this expansion took place at many times the speed of light during a very short initial inflation. So there again, we have this very rapid expansion faster than the speed of light. So it's interesting how they have to tweak the laws of physics to make their theory work. And then, of course, they came after about 800,000 years. And it amazes me how they get these figures. But, of course, it's from solving their equations. And we have to always remember that their equations are based on a whole lot of unproven assumptions. But, you know, as a physicist, you have fun doing this and trying to find, you know, get a solution that possibly works. And so they claim that after about 800,000 years, Uh, some of the energy that expanded had formed hydrogen atoms which coalesced through gravity and formed the first stars, which are called population three stars. Now, we need to just pause for a moment here. We need to understand that no population three stars have ever been seen (laughs) or identified. So, So, you know, here again we have this theory saying that this must happen, um, you know, forming hydrogen because, you know, from uh, E equals MC squared, that's, you know, the basic matter that you're most likely to form. And then, of course, they say from that early galaxies gradually emerged and then after about nine billion years, uh, so essentially the sun formed from a rotating cloud of dust and gas and then later the planets formed in the solar system. And, of course, there's major problems with that in that, you know, the plane of the rotation of the planets is uh, not um, at right angles to the axis of spin of the sun. You know, it's on an angle and, uh, you know, and some of the planets are rotating in opposite direction to the other uh, planets on their axis, this sort of thing. So there's, you know, massive problems with that model, even though it's described in just a few simple words. And then they say over further billions of years, our Earth gradually cooled to its present state and somehow obtained water. And so, of course, this is a major contradiction to the Bible because contrary to uh, Genesis 1, which says our God created the Earth on uh, day one and the sun and the stars on the fourth day, it says that the Big Bang Theory says the sun existed before the Earth. And also, when God created the Earth, it was water-covered uh, it was cool and dark, not extremely hot and bright. So, you know, the the creation story is very different. But one of the things, I guess, that, uh, that draws Christians in is that people think this Big Bang occurred very quickly, you know, tung, um, and it's, it's all over, it's expanded. But the Big Bang theory relates really to something that has happened over billions of years. So it involves the progressive formation of the uh, bodies in the universe, uh, the stars, galaxies, and so forth, over billions of years. And so really um, the Big Bang is not an abrupt one-time creation event as perhaps many Christians might think it is. Um, uh, But, of course, you know, God may well have... uh, created the universe in an expanding state uh, 
but not over eons. And we need to remember, too, that we actually can't definitively measure whether the universe is expanding or not. We're really not in a position to do that definitively. Um, And so there's, you know, debate in that area. But it's interesting that according to Genesis 1, God created everything by his word of command. He spoke it into existence over a period of six consecutive 24-hour Earth-type days, about 6,000 years ago. And um, it's very interesting. Of course, this is recorded by Moses. And it's very interesting when we um, you think of the uh, Bible story where Jesus uh, talks about Abraham and the poor man. It's, it's a parable. And... Um, the, and the you know people argue with uh, Jesus, and Jesus' reply is along the lines, well, look, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they're not going to believe even if someone should be raised from the dead. And so this is uh, very interesting that Jesus is essentially saying that the records of Moses, Moses and the prophets, are correct. Um, we need to believe those. So... It's interesting how we talk about this figure six hours, about 6,000 years ago. And I had a look on the um, creation.com website and they have a creation event occurring roughly about 6,150 years ago, a bit over 6,000 years. But it's very interesting that I've done some calculations myself from the Bible and I'll just run through these with you. Um, and give you the text so that you can look them up because it's, it's quite interesting because I, I think it leads into some other very interesting facts. So if we go to Genesis chapter 5, in Genesis chapter 5 it records when the pre-flood patriarchs became fathers. Now it doesn't necessarily say that this was the age when they had their first child, but this is the age when they fathered a particular child which is mentioned in the genealogy. So for example with Adam, it talks about Adam was 130 years old when he fathered Seth, but we know that had Cain and Abel before then and, and probably daughters and other children as well. But and so it's an interesting point that it's there are a number of patriarchs are listed, but these uh, people most likely, and I would say highly likely, have many other children. But they're picking out one particular descendant, which is um, carried on. It may be that this descendant was a particularly spiritual person, as in the case of Enoch. And so we have in Genesis chapter five that Adam was 130 years old when he had Seth. And Seth, 105, when he had Enos, and Enos, 90, when he had Kenan, and Kenan, 70, had Mahal, and um, Mahal, 65, when he had Jared, and um, Jared, 162, when he had Enoch, Enoch, 65, Methuselah, Methuselah, 187, Lamech, and Lamech, 182, and he had Noah, and Noah was 600 
when the flood came. And so when you add all these up, you get a total of 1,650 years, 56 years from creation to the flood. So 1,656 years from creation to the flood. Now, we need to remember, though, that it talks about Lamech was 182 years old. He was, was he 182 years old in one month or was he 182 and 11 months? <laughs> so this, we, we don't really know. So the error could be plus 10 years. So we need to remember that, that, that when we say that... Um, the flood uh, occurred 1,656 years after creation. It could be um, another 10 years on that. Uh, that gives us an idea to the flood. But, of course, we now need to relate this back to our present day time. Well, in Genesis chapter 11, verses 10 to 25, we have the records of the age when the post-flood patriarchs became fathers. Now, that's Shem. Now, it says that Shem became a father two years after the flood, and his son, Asphazad, uh, was 35 when he had Salah, who was 30 when he had Eber, uh, who was 34 when he had Peleg, who was 30 when he had Ru, who was 32 when he had Sirog, who was 30 when he had Nahor, um, who was 29 when he had terror. Now, this is where it gets a little bit tricky with terror. And so the clues are there in um, a Genesis um, 11 and, um, and 32, 11.32 uh, 32 and Genesis 12.4. So um, it says that terror was 75 when he had Abraham and the three sons. But it's interesting that it just groups all the children together and Evan, the, they weren't twins. But if we go to Genesis 11.32, we can see that Terah died at 205 years of age and Abraham was 75 then. So, and Abraham was 75 when he left um, Haram. So that um, gives a difference of, a, of 130 years up to the covenant with uh, Abraham's covenant with God. So if we add up all those years, it comes to a total of 427 years from the flood to the covenant with Abraham. And um, remember, if you want to recheck uh, these dates, uh, remember you can uh, re-listen um, to this talk by uh, just Googling uh, 3ABN Australia, or one word, .org.au, and then click on the uh, listen button and you'll see the Faith and Science program will come up there. And of course, when you open the Faith and Science program too, you'll also see some links there to uh, various uh, podcast providers where you can could re-listen to this as a podcast. So just going back then, so it was 427 years from the flood to the covenant with Abraham. And again... There could be an additional 10 years in there because we don't know when it talks about, you know, Nahor being 29 years, was he 29 in one month or was he about to turn 30, you know, 29, 11? And should it be the average value? It's most likely going to be an average value, assuming that, you know, the birthdays are going to be distributed. It'll be pretty close to an average value. So when we uh, go a little bit further then, another clue that we have is that... Um, we 
have a um, uh, a statement in uh, Kings, First Kings, chapter six, verse one, that the Exodus occurred four hundred and seventy nine years before Solomon's fourth year. Now, Solomon's fourth year is believed to be around. Um, uh, 967 BC. So if you look up the internet and some of the archaeology journals, that seems to be the best one, 967 BC. And so we have the Exodus occurring 479 years earlier. So that means uh, that would date the Exodus at 1446 BC. Now we know that the covenant with Abraham According to Exodus chapter 12, verses 40 to 41, so that's Exodus 12, 40 to 41, took place 430 years before the Exodus. And so the time from the flood to the Exodus was 857 years. And so when we add that up, um, we get uh, the 1446 plus the 857 gives 2,303 BC for the date for the um, flood, 2,303 BC plus up to 20 years, of course. And therefore, creation must be 2,303 plus 1656, which equals 3,959 BC plus or minus 20 years. So um, somewhere between 359 to 379 BC. Now, this is quite a bit younger because when you add on our current year, uh, 2021, um, and allowing for the fact that there's no year zero, you get um, a date for the age of the Earth is 5,979 years. So, again, on the basis of the calculations that I've given you, and you uh, can look up those texts um, in the Bible and check it, then we're not quite the 6,000 years. But it's very interesting if you look at that value of um, 3,959 to 3,079 B.C., and you look at the date of the crucifixion, which is um, believed to be um, either 33 AD or 30 AD. They were the two years where there was a Passover uh, on a Friday in April, or on a Friday, and they both occurred in. Uh, so in AD 30, there was a Passover. On, the Passover commenced on a, uh, f- a Friday, and on um, AD 33. So either of those dates, allowing for the, the torrents there, is, is pretty well exactly 4,000 years after creation. And I found that very interesting, mainly because I guess, you know, we can't pay a lot of interest in, um, in um, uh, biblical numerology, um, I, I find interesting, but I, you know, I don't think it is definitive in any way. But it's interesting that the uh, four thousand years is eighty jubilees, and of course, if we 
Uh, we read about the jubilees, I think, in Leviticus chapter 25, and the jubilee was every 50 years, or or there was a Sabbath of the land, if you... I'm pretty sure it's Exodus... Um, uh, sorry, Leviticus uh, chapter 25. Um, and if you read the first part of Leviticus chapter 12, it t- talks about the Sabbath of the, the land, that um, every uh, seven years was to be a year where the land was to, to have a Sabbath. And then after seven years of Sabbath, or the 50th year, was to be a, a special jubilee, and all the land was to return to its original owners and so forth. And I thought uh, eight, and when you look at uh, biblical numerology, six is often associated with man, uh, seven for the Lord, eight for Jesus, um, and 10 for law, 12 for government, and so forth, those sort of numbers. Um, and uh, so it's inter- interesting that it's um, 80 jubilees for uh, that particular uh, time there. And uh, one of the other things that, um, just while we're on on this uh, topic, of course, back in Genesis, we have the, the record of the... Uh, God's covenant, an earlier covenant that God made with people recorded in Genesis chapter 9, uh, verses 13. And this was, um, it's in chapter 9, verse 13. After the flood, God said um, to Noah, I set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth uh, that he would uh, no longer destroy the the earth by water. Because we know the next destruction, the earth, is by fire. Hmm, not very good. But and one of the things that fascinates me, and I know it depends on the fact that we have divided the circle up into 360 degrees, but it's very interesting that the angle for the rainbow, for the primary bow, is Brewster's angle. And Brewster was a professor of physics at, I'm pretty sure it was at Oxford. He was a very devout Christian, and the angle's named after him. And it's 42 degrees, which is seven times six. And then, of course, if you look carefully, uh, there's often a second bow, which is a little bit higher. That bow angle is 50 degrees, and it's exactly eight degrees higher. And, of course, through Jesus, we have a, uh, a higher covenant with God, a God of, of salvation. Um, so they're, they're just some interesting things that I thought that line up. But we can see that the, the biblical age for the earth is around 6,000 years. And I know many people think, oh, no, the earth must be much older than that. But, you know, when I was um, researching this some some years ago, and um, I did uh, in my book, Evolution Impossible, 12 Reasons Why Evolution Cannot Explain the Origin of Life on Earth, I have a chapter in there which I've titled The Historical Evidence for a Worldwide Flood. It's chapter 8. And uh, when I was researching this, I, I looked around for some of the most ancient chronological documents that are on record. And as a matter of fact, I had a, a guy, who was, there was a, um, a chap working at Princeton University in the library over there um, who was studying the uh, looking up scientific records in ancient ancient civilizations, and uh, he provided me with some uh, help, and um, he was uh, very interested in the work that I was doing as well. And when I looked at the, the oldest chronologists that I could find, they all go back 
to the founding of the respective civilizations um, no later than about 2000 BC. And this really, uh, oh, sorry, about 2200 BC probably. Um, and so this fits very well with the, with the flood account. Um, and, of course, one of those was a series of tablets that was given to um, Alexander the Great that contained the astronomical uh, records uh, for about uh, 1,900 uh, years. I'd have to look up the actual <laughs> chapter in my own book. I just can't remember the details offhand. But it's very interesting that um, that you know, uh, fits perfectly with the biblical age for the earth. So we need to remember that, that when we're looking at actual history and what we can know on records, it all corroborates with the Bible. But, you know, the Big Bang Theory has uh, heaps of uh, problems. Um, and one of the things is, you know, that it claims that energy was converted into matter. Well, if energy is converted into matter, according to Einstein's equation equal mc squared, when this happens, exactly equal amounts of matter and antimatter are produced. So we could ask ourselves the question, where are the 200 billion galaxies of antimatter that had to form to balance the 200 billion galaxies of regular matter in the stars for the Big Bang Theory to work? They're not there. Also, the Big Bang Theory is supposed to have uh, formed by means of a quantum fluctuation. But what is that? And how could this have happened before there was any time, space or anything for it to fluctuate in? I mean, there's a lot of (laughs) real problems with the Big Bang Theory. Also, the Big Bang Theory depends on an early brief inflation of the universe at many times the speed of light with no known mechanism to either cause this or to stop it once it had happened. So, in other words, the laws of physics weren't applying. There was something different. Well, if they have to believe in that to have their Big Bang theory work, what is wrong with creation? So, and of course, the Big Bang has its own light travel time problem arising from the fact that the cosmic uh, microwave background radiation has the same temperature over the entire sky of about 2.7 degrees above absolute zero. However, of course, there hasn't been enough time for the radiation to travel between the calculated areas of uh, size of the universe and to produce that temperature. So that's the horizon problem. And, of course, the Big Bang Theory produces expanding clouds of gas. Now, expanding clouds of gas do not spontaneously reverse their expansion and condense into objects we see in the real universe uh, to be composed of, um, you know, to form matter. So that's why they have to construct dark matter. But, of course, no one's discovered dark matter either. So you can see there are just so many fudge factors in the Big Bang Theory. And that's why some years ago, um, the, uh, a number of leading astronomers signed a letter. You can see it on, if you Google, cosmology statement, all one word, dot org, cosmology statement dot org, all one word. So there are major problems. So the bottom line is this. We don't have a scientific explanation for how we came to be here. But we do have a biblical explanation for how we came to be here. And that biblical evidence stacks up to archaeological evidence and also describes some amazing supernatural events that were witnessed 
by many, many people and recorded so that we can know. You see, this world isn't all there is. God exists and God is outside this world and God wants us to have a relationship with him and that is so important because I would say if we're getting close to 6,000 years, it can't be far away before Jesus will be coming back um, to point out that the Bible was true and to claim his loved ones. Remember, um, you can listen to this program by uh, going to 3abnaustralia.org.au and click on the listen button and look up Faith and Science. You've been listening to Faith and Science. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. 